there for a little necrophilia. This is the science fiction rating system. Uh, today we're talking about Brazil by Terry Gilliam, and uh, we've got uh, me, Chris Redding. We've got Sam over there. Say hello, Sam. Hi. We've got Alex. Hello. You guys don't get your surnames. Just me. And <laughs> we're we're changing the format slightly today, uh, just because. Uh, I've got a friend who worked on this film, so we decided to go and have a little chat with her. But um, we've been wanting to do this film for a little while because it is actually one of my faves. But, uh, yeah, you guys have much love for this film before we saw it? Well, Chris, before I answer that question, let me just tell you that you're not actually here. Uh, <laughs> you are a robot. And you're, 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 you are you're the a, ghost in the machine yourself. You're suspended, um, yeah. Chris so died. what's happened? <laughs> yeah. And we uploaded him onto the podcast, so he lives on yeah, forever. He lives on forever. Um, what's happened is that I'm an idiot and I've deleted my own audio <laughs> from this recording. Um, in my defence, I spent about six hours editing the bloody oh, interview bloody together. Yeah. Oh, can I just my say brain that was going much- I'm yeah. here, I'm real. Yes, Alex is definitely Yeah, real. I'm real. Um, and Sam's real, but Chris... I'm real. Chris is not. Chris, Chris couldn't make it today because he's... He's disappeared in the machine. Yeah. He's gone into the computer. So we've, we've, but we've got the remnants of his thoughts. Yeah, ironic, It's ironic, isn't it? Because for a long time, if, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast and mm. you actually give a damn, you'd have gone on our website and for a long time, Chris didn't have a bio. And it, and it <laughs> just true. said, Chris Redding is a voice that Alex and Sam take turns yeah. putting on. Yeah. Uh, it's and finally it, come true. And it's finally come true. Chris Redding isn't real. He, he's, we, it's come out. It's the it's the kind of inception twist of this whole podcast. Was uh, yeah. That Chris was never real. And like that, he was gone. There you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. See, I referenced this. Yeah, I referenced this yeah. all the way back in Weird Science. Everyone just thought I was just doing a throwaway, you know, line, but (laughs) the clues were always there. (laughs) They were. Um, Anyway, we were very off topic. Um, So, um, so what did he ask us? He asked us if we'd watched Brazil before, didn't mm. he? Alex, had you seen Brazil before this? You know what? I'd never seen Brazil before ever, and it's one of those films that always kind of floated around on the consciousness of things. And I hope I'm not uh, preempting something that gets said in a minute but um, <laughs> um the poster always kind of put me off to be honest mm. it's a cr- yeah we discussed this a little bit with Val later yeah on. it's yeah. it's a really bad poster isn't it it's um, an awful poster oh yeah. actually do you know what since we've done uh, since we did this podcast i've seen the uh um the uh hollywood ending you know the alternate ending oh uh, right okay yeah i've seen that now well let's Let's we'll get to that later on yeah, because cool. uh, that does come up at yeah, some point. Okay, sure but had you seen Brazil? I, I have. I had seen Brazil. Yes, um, quite a few times. I was quite. I was very into it in my sort of early twenties, late teens kind of time. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I think although I think it's flawed, there's there's something about it that I found very like. I think I think I can't remember if I mentioned it on this or on the interview, but like the darkness of it and how mm. grimy it is. Yeah. Chris mentioned it actually as well. Yeah, it's got a real. It it felt very appealing. Yeah, and I mentioned the music in a bit as well because that's a big thing about it. Yeah, um, but I mean Chris, he's definitely the one of the three was who's most into it. Isn't definitely. He? Um, yeah, yeah, he loves it. So let's it. have a listen to what Chris thinks about the film. It's Play. become a bit of a cult classic, I think. Um, it's important, I think, in what it is because it's. Uh, I mean, I was never a Monty Python fan myself, um, but uh, Americans bloody love Monty Python, don't they? Um, like the Beatles. Like I don't really care for the Beatles either. And this mixes that humour, the dark humour, the the social commentary of what they used to do in in uh, in Python with. Quite a, a dark 1984 style world and visual uh, language to go along with that, and I th- and I really love it. And it's always been sort of a go to for me in terms of art direction and what they did to make the film. It was a very uh, it's of its time, and yeah. I, uh, what about you guys? What, what's what your sort of initial thoughts? I mean, I love the way it looks. I think it looks brilliant. I mean, I think I suffer from the fact, and I think I said this before, so I'm saying it again. I watched 
I hadn't seen 1984 either until we did it on the podcast. And I think I yes. suffer, I think if I'd seen this before 1984, I think I would have liked Brazil more because yeah. I think it, it, it because it is a, a comedy. You can't help but feel it's almost like a parody of 1984. Yes. Or, I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, we're in our modern culture, we're so used to kind of send ups and like, you know, like the scary movie and that whole cycle of, of films that, are, that aren't even clever anymore. They're just literally copying a film and making jokes through yeah. it. And uh, unfortunately, because of that, elements of yeah. Brazil just f- feel like a kind of comedy version of 1984. Um, what? But visually, I, visually, I think it is spectacular. I mean, creatively, it is on another level. Yeah, it's got more going on than 1984. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. What I didn't mention last time that's interesting, though, is if you think about it, like, because 1984, the one we watched with um, mm. John Hurt, came out about a year before this. Yeah. So they were both, and obviously it's that, they came out in 1984 and 1985, so obviously they're both playing on that anniversary. Yeah. Um, so it's weird that, like, two productions that, as far as I know, had nothing to do with each other, um, came up with kind of the same visual, you know, mm. at the same time. It's, it shows how much of the, you know, the culture, I suppose, that time is in this in yeah, a way, and what they so. thought that would be like. I mean, how how like, much of that is in the book? How much is that is from the book, or is it not from the book at all? Well, the look of it's not there at all. I mean, it is, it is a kind of, um, you know, like a, a 40s environment put on... The, the steampunk, I suppose, comes from the book, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the idea of the future there was all valves and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's odd how, I imagine you could probably intercut scenes from both films yeah. and they'd go really well, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. So. No, they feel like the same world. But you're right, in a um, way, there was that kind of visual, that very kind of 80s, um, yeah, that kind of like, with the tower blocks and the kind of like, yeah. almost a bit punk, but almost, but very run down and kind of, you know, like yeah. uh, like Clockwork Orange, like that kind of desolation of London and that industrialization of it, or that yeah. kind of harshness of it. That that is there, and that was what was. It's that thing of I always think. I'm sure, like like me, you've got loads of photos from when you were a kid mm. where they've they've just the way cameras t- took photos, everything looks. <laughs> just looks you know, it's as though we were in a film, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like yeah. we were in 984. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that weird sort of nostalgia for it because how I think of my childhood is that, yeah, I'm just slightly off screen stood there in my Transformers <laughs> oh. hoodie, you know, whatever. Yeah. A bit happier, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, right, so the uh, Chris, we, we mentioned the cast a bit and Jonathan Price, mm. um, and. This is, uh, oh, I don't know, I can't remember this is. This is about De Niro. Let's hear this little clip here yeah. about De Niro. I don't know. I don't think De Niro is like a, I think he kind of sticks out a little bit in this. I don't think. He... We're just talking about the, the cast. Weird, yeah, the weird stunt casting of De Niro, mm. I think, was what he well, was saying. Well, I, which... I think I said that De Niro mm. initially went for the Michael Palin role. But yes. um, <laughs> but hilariously, because I, I do find this a bit hilarious, uh if, um, Terry Gilliam was like, oh no, I promised that to Michael Palin. And I think even at that time, De Niro was surely big enough to be like, yeah, but maybe we should give this to Robert De Niro. Like, you know, maybe yeah. as far as like, you know, um, you know, the film goes, maybe he should get this. But, um, but I, I think, I think what I said as well is that, and, and we didn't talk about this, so I'll make you talk about it. Do you think that Robert De Niro is real in the film? Until you said it last time, I hadn't considered it. But once you did say it, I I think there's a strong case for the fact he isn't. Yeah, because no one sees him, do they? No one else sees him. No, and also and the, and the way they like the house is wrecked and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it, that's the only sort of evidence that he fixed it. But he isn't actually fixes it when he goes. They have to no. fix it again. Don't and, they? It, and 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 I know he he puts the shit into the suits, but you could have probably like a normal person could have worked that out themselves. Totally, doesn't he themselves. doesn't do anything that is not. No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you might be right. Just a theory. Yeah, with that. Also, do you think that um, uh, that um, oh, Bob Hoskins knew that he would go on to play another famous plumber uh, <laughs> a few years after this? <laughs> perhaps he was uh, angling for that already. It was Maybe. Yeah, Marvel had just come out, hadn't it? So perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he was like? Do you think he was like? Look, I'm really good at plumbers. So uh, uh, yeah, give me the job. Yeah. Did we decide if that's sci-fi or not, mm. Marvels? I think we. I think it was fantasy, wasn't it? We said. Isn't uh, what's it? An alien? Isn't uh, King Cooper an alien in it? I can't remember. No, I can't I remember. Know. Yeah, we got to we'll probably watch it anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. So this is we're almost at the end of this first bit. Uh, this is the plot synopsis that Chris came up with. This is the longest yeah. clip. So just a brief synopsis of where we start on this. What I do like about most a lot of Terry Gilliam films is, well, it, 
I like it and both. It's a bit annoying. Is how really long this film is, and there's not huge loads of plot. There's not tons of people we need to know and learn about. It's it's quite uh, montagey. Um, so we start in a world in a dystopia uh, where secret police come and bag and gag people uh, in a in quite a comedic way. The film opens where this, you know, Christmas scene gets burst into by like the SAS. And then, <laughs> I mean, for me, this, this is my favorite scene actually, where like, and then some bureaucrat comes in and is like, sign here and here, uh, this is your receipt for your husband. This is my receipt for your receipt. <laughs> it's just fantastic. And then, you know, the just the little attention to bits of touches to like when they cut through the walls and the ceiling, you just see loads of ducts and cables and like the humans are like living in the interiors of these machines. When we get to the this uh, Ministry of Information, which is this obviously full of, suited bureaucrats who are kind of just doing their job punching buttons and yeah it's every everything's been changed slightly and thought about like even to the point where like a filing cabinet the handles are straight instead of across it's they've just changed everything like i love the phone with the patch cables and uh the computers and uh so we've got like a lowly individual operative uh who's Played by Jonathan Price in this, um, I forgot his name. What's his name? Sam Lowry. Sam Lowry. His name. <laughs> Sam Lowry. Yeah, he is a lowly guy, and we sort of just follow him and his daydreams in this, and what he he's, he keeps having this recurring dream where he's saving uh, a blonde, and he's a he's a flying warrior. So the reason I wanted to hear all that because I think it's quite telling. I listen to this again. Mm. The fact that like. Chris doesn't mention a lot of what the plot actually is because mm. not much there is there. No, really? not really. No, no. I mean, um, and that's probably and... my problem with the film is that there isn't exactly. really a plot. Yeah. And he's, he, yeah, he's kind of said it. You've got a character that's in, a, in living in a fantasy, living in a real horrible world, but mainly happy in his fantasy life. Uh, yeah. And yeah, really, it's a confusion about a, a, a person that is going against the state. They confuse up who they should kidnap, and that's kind of how it all gets yeah. rolling, really. Um, yeah. and that's it really isn't it there's not, it's, there's not much to it <clears throat> no it's funny that it's set at Christmas I never knew it was set at Christmas uh, so we could have done this yeah. one at Christmas like you know we're always looking for science fiction Christmas films it, it's in that list of films like uh, Jurassic World wasn't it that was a Christmas yeah. film that didn't appear to be a Christmas and, film and uh, Prometheus is set at Christmas Prometheus yeah, yeah. 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 although I do I think in this it works so well uh, because it's so yeah. jarring when you're in these horrible yeah, and then there's yeah. like a Christmas a very 80s bit of tinsel or like a reef and, and also like the way he gets the present off Michael Palin yeah. and stuff like that, and the, when he gets a new job, it's yeah. yeah, it's like a nice. You're right, it just suppose really well against. And, it, and it, it, it does feel like when you go in these horrible offices, and that they do just have like a silly little tree, and it just seems yeah. so stupid to have that. Why are you bothering? Like, I think it works yeah. really well that the Christmas element of it in a in a weird way, but yeah, definitely. Um, right, well, let's get to the actual the meat of what today is. So let's let's Chris uh, introduce the interview today. So here we go with that. What we're going to do is we're going to chat to Valerie Charlton, who worked on all the uh, art department special effects on this. So there's the scenes that she had a bigger hand on than other scenes. There's some scenes she worked for quite a long time that were cut. Um, so uh, we're going to have a chat with her. And then we'll come back and we'll have a, a little bit of a discussion about what we f- think about the film. All right with you, lads? Sound fair enough? Sounds Yay! good. Let's do it. Hooray. Hooray. So uh, today we're going to chat to uh, Valerie Charlton, who's a good friend of mine. I got to know her a couple of years ago. Uh, she lives not far from me. And uh, after a bit of quizzing, I found out that she worked on some of my favourite old movies and uh, that includes things like Monty Python, Life of Brian, Time Bandits, Meaning of Life, Brazil, Who Framed Roger Rabbit Um, and I thought oh let's have a chat with her. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm in Val's house, she kindly invited me over and so is Sam and Alex via the internet Yep, and we're all uh, going to chat about uh, Val's career. Um, Sounds good. And particularly her collaborations with 
Terry Gilliam on the film Brazil. Hi, Valerie. Hi there. Val's just been to and done a talk about all of films at the Frame Store, which is the big VFX house in London. Oh, so cool. she got to meet all the all the people there. But they're on another level now, aren't they? They're, mm. they're, um, I'm surprised that there's that many people doing VFX in the middle of London. It's not mm. like all in India or something. Because there oh, is tons out they're there. They're moving to India. Are they? They're, right. they're opening up in India as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Andrew's going to be Actually, going yeah, over I remember, there. I remember yeah. sit, reading that, that yeah, the yeah. guy who owns Frame Store is basically and sold got, it to a Chinese company. Um, they've got something in China as well. Yeah. In yeah. fact, the Chinese have bought Frame Store. Yeah. You yeah. know, they own it. Yeah. He made That guy made it. I can't remember his name. The uh, Scottish guy. Who started Frame Store? It's Mike yes. McGee. Is it? Was it Mike McGee? No. There was a. He's one guy. of the early Is he? directors from there. Yeah, they, they all came. There were students, you know, at Bournemouth. Right. And uh, they've all made a ton of money now because they've oh, just yeah. sold out to the Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think now editing is kind of you're kind of really super restricted when it comes to VFX shots because you've got shots coming in which cost a lot of money. Yeah, you uh, can't, the you can't houses, drop them, can you, I suppose, once they're past a certain point, because the, yeah, the sort of cast into them, you know what I mean? I read at one point that Brazil had got, they'd got two editors working on it at the same time, they'd got, like, the studio had got somebody, and then there was the, the Gilliam's guy as well, doing two separate edits, you know, without knowing who was doing it, which sounds insane. Yeah, I heard that there's actually an, a version of the film which they tried to make it more... Uh, with a happy ending on it. Happy ending. Yeah. Oh, Brazil, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, there was great pressure to make it a happy ending. Um, And, I mean, Terry had to really stick out against that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's extraordinary because I was just going through, I looked through the crew list last night and I looked through, there was a really small group of people of us, in effect. You know, I, Mm. I was trying to count them up. There was... There was Richard Conway was leading it, yeah. and this is the flying sequences. Yeah. Um, George Gibbs was the was the head supervisor, but George wasn't really um, an artistic man. He was yeah. a, he was he was the front man of the yeah. effects team, uh, but Richard was the genius. Yeah. And um, and then there was Bob Hollow, who was um, a terrific mechanic. I yeah. mean, he made all those wonderful uh, sort of robotic things. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they just went off to... Which in that age, and... is, in that time, that that's pretty crazy what was going on there. That oh, it was crazy. Lot, and they were making it up as they went. You yeah, know, they yeah. were given total freedom, yeah, really. Yeah. And, and Bob was just having the time of his life, putting yeah. stuff together with the old typewriters and yeah, yeah. all kinds of gear. And, uh, no, it was brilliant. Um, But there was only about six of us. There was Martin Gant, Mm. um, me, uh, Richard, Bob, and uh, Tim. No, he wasn't. He he was a runner at that stage. I can't can't remember all the people, but, I mean, there weren't very many of us Mm. doing those scenes. And so we had sort of very direct contact with Terry. Yeah. Um, I mean, every morning we... You know, we'd look at the rushes all together and, and then work out what we had to do for the day. Wow. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so it was very intimate in mm. that sense. You know, he was absolutely on it mm. and had lots of really good ideas. You know, it's very practical when yes. you're working with him because yeah, yeah. he's thinking about how to shoot. You know, like, because we were working in a fairly s- small studio, I made three models of different sizes of the yeah. flying man. Yeah. So I made the one that's about... 12 inches, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's a half-scale one. You can see one. You see over there. Yeah. Up. Next, you see the little portrait head? Yes. Oh, Just I next see, yeah. to that, there's a yeah. little flying man there. Well, yeah. I made one that size. He's about three inches long. Yeah. And that was just to do the distance shots. Yes. I mean, you might only see it in a... You yeah, know, just, fleetingly, yeah, but yeah. It, mm. it was there. And then, of course, there was um, Jonathan Price, full, full size. Yeah. So that was... You know, and then just, just a ton of like smoke to cover the wires, <laughs> smoke and steam yeah. and everything that was going. Yeah, and yeah. we made all the clouds as well. Yeah. All those clouds were handmade. Wow. Yeah. So was there like a clockwork? There's a moving model. There's one where the wings move and things. Is there? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. god, yeah. It was a fantastic model. Mm. I mean, I did the sculpt for it, and yeah. then Richard and I think Martin did the, and Bob would have done the insides, the mechanics right, okay. of it. Yeah. And no, it did everything. You know. It, yeah, yeah. But. They cheated it by, um, uh, you know, by the camera speeds. They had three different camera speeds yes. going. Yeah. So whereas it, it sort of shot, it was on a rig, so it yeah, shot yeah, through yeah, yeah, yeah. in a few seconds. Yeah. And 
but but it was um, when when it, when we saw it the next morning, it'd been slowed down. You saw all that lovely fluid movement. I see. But it what didn't we didn't shoot it like that because you could. Yeah. It makes all the clouds and the smoke move in the That's right, right speed yeah. as well. Otherwise, it, yeah. it sort of it shows the scale. Yeah. Um, and that's what Terry was really smart at. You yeah, know, he's yeah. really smart at understanding because scale is a, is in movement as well. You know, you, yeah. the movement will give away the, the scale of something, and if yeah, it's yeah. too too fast or too juddery or something, you know, he's really good at slowing things down yeah. to get get the sort of impact of it. Yeah. Um, the bit I always love is the the samurai, all the detail on the you know the oh dream God. sequence. Like, how was were you involved in building that? Were you? With no, I wasn't. No, that was. Um, there was a, a very good uh, model maker called Ray Scott, mm. and um, he. Did, I think he might have had something to do with the samurai. Yeah. He did. He did. I'll tell you what. He definitely did with the forces of darkness. Those okay, baby yeah. face things. Yeah. He made those, and he um, was a very good maker. He's still around, I think. The only thing that I think Jim was disappointed about. I picked this up yesterday and listening to some of the stuff that. Um, the costume was so incredible and it could cost a lot of money yeah. and you know they'd put lots of bits of computer into the costume yeah. and of course it was moving so fast you never saw it mm. yeah. I think he was a bit disappointed we're talking about, about the that. wing costume the, no the samurai samurai yeah, yeah. Um, and and that was I think that was a bit I had to make a I had to cast uh, Jonathan's face mm. for that mm. uh, there's, a, there's a fleeting shot yeah. where the face inside the costume okay. is face cast that I painted oh, right, okay. uh, and I think it's just before it burns yeah, yeah. you know something where it's catching yeah, light yeah. and we couldn't use him yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so fleeting I can hardly see it yes <laughs> I've spent ages on it <laughs> but it matches completely to him and what was like what was uh, Jonathan and and the cast like to work with well, I, I wasn't really that close to John. Only if you had to do an effect with them at you. Yeah, no, we didn't no. really. I mean, I I could go and watch things being shot, you know, yeah, once yeah, I'd yeah. done my work, yeah, yeah. and uh, that was interesting. And I, you know, watched Robert De Niro doing the all the plumbing shots, and, <laughs> and that was great. You know, I loved doing that. And I made a little model of him, yeah, a little tiny model like yeah. that, which when you know when he goes on the zip wire, goes on the zip wire down yeah, yeah. from the flats. I love was... the miniature of that city. Yeah, that. 1984 city yeah because you can see like a little train or something moving across a viaduct mm. it's got just enough detail mm. and not too much mm. like it's a brilliant model yeah no, it's absolutely brilliant you know it's modeled on a real uh, estate in france okay yeah okay. and in fact they went some of the shots i think they went over and, and might have done a couple of shots actually in the street in, yeah, on yeah. the estate okay and then the model exactly matched it yeah. i found i found um it's called if I, I don't know how you spell it, but it's Marne La Polay. Yeah, is the name of the estate, and it was a very well-known sort of um, Art Deco. But yeah. it was a new estate, but yeah. it was built in a kind of Art Deco style. Okay. And Terry had seen it and liked okay. it, and so we we used that completely. Mm. But the model was breathtaking. Yeah, yeah, and all those those little trucks were models, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. a lot of the explosions. It yeah, was how big models. was the miniature? The model of the estate yeah, would yeah. be. Um, I mean, as high as this room, yeah, so and probably out here but, somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. a twenty-foot square model. type yeah. thing. Yeah, because we had to yeah. blow it up at one point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also really like that shot where it's the like the housing estate, and it is a miniature. Mm. It they do a little trick, don't they? Where you think it's and they put it away. Yeah, and it's got the power away. plant behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. That's, with the smoke um, stacks with the clouds the, on them. Yeah. Cooling towers. Yes, the cooling towers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 There's loads of little things like, and there's the kids playing in the corner with they. They're like one of them searching some other kids with like a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a there's a poster. It says like it's for like a cruise. Yeah. But it's like this real brutalist sort of. It looks like a a trawler boat, but it says it's safe, secure. There's just little, loads of little details to find oh, if you really yeah, I know. watch it. It's a long old movie, actually, isn't it? It's, what was it? It's <clears throat> two hours, 27 minutes, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And I read that was the main sort of concern with the studio, <laughs> studio wasn't it? The studio wanted a shorter film, I think. That's right, they that wanted to yeah. shorten it. But there's so much in it. I mean, it is, it is extraordinary. Uh, and I was just getting into it again yesterday. It's great to be reminded, because at the time, you're so much just doing your job. It, you mm. kind of take it all for granted and just think, oh, you know, it's just another film. Yeah. At the time, I didn't 
you know, I, I didn't, I don't think I knew. Well, with all the films, I, I had no idea they would have the life they've had, mm-hmm. you know, that they would still be current. How many years after? 40, 50 years after? 40 years, mm-hmm. yeah. told me before about that sequence with the big monoliths oh yeah oh that was fantastic yeah. uh, smashing through the ground yeah, oh yeah. wow yeah well that was um that i mean that first of all there was a platform built which would have been what the height of that room what's that um probably about 10 foot yeah um 12 foot high or something and the two um monoliths were inside that and yeah. on top of the platform we built the landscape yeah yeah and so i built that with um keith short okay and uh we used we we just packed um i don't know if you know that red casting sand it's yeah. used in engineering yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah my my like fine sand no, no 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 it's 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 a very particular kind of sand yeah my family my grandfather and my father were pattern makers and they for the shipbuilding industry in Sunderland my grandfather had his own business but they so they used to make wooden patterns of things like ships propellers which would be cast in steel and when they cast this they put they cast using this red sand which was wet and they sort of pack it packed into a very firm shape, so you could use it as a as a mold. Yes, they were molded yeah, yeah. in the in, yeah. sorry in this sand, and then they could pour the steel uh, yes. molten yeah. um, steel into the into the shapes. So we used that sand because you could pack it into different shapes. So we we created this sort of landscape with all okay. the rolling hills and everything yes. yeah. by packing that, and then we just sprinkled um, sort of powder colours. And oh, I know what I got. I I sent for. You know, on the Isle of Wight, they have coloured sands. Yes. They have mm. all these beautiful yeah. coloured sands. That, yeah. I've still got some, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I sent for bags of every colour sand from the Isle of Wight. Brilliant. And we sprinkled it all yeah. over this landscape. Yeah. And the awful thing is that the colour in the film has never, or even on any photographs I've got, has never showed it as it was in no. real life. It's yeah. absolutely mm. beautiful. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we made little hedgerows yeah. and trees. Is that just because the amount of, like, smoke used, I think, and the exposure on the camera? Maybe yeah, I think it was the exposure. It, yeah. just, it bleached it out a bit, yeah. so it always, it always looks... I, I never thought but it... it looks like ash or something, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. it doesn't look the full colour that yeah. it was. It was really rich when we yeah. did it. So we used the we used that Isle of Wight sand and mm. powder colours really just sprinkled on very delicately. Yeah. So and it looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But we worked through um uh, we had a, a lens at the end. Yeah. Twenty eight mil lens and we just worked exactly to the amount of uh the yeah. am I talking what right the twenty eight mil is that right? It's That's quite what a wide rings one. bell. Yeah. yeah. Um so we had like a triangle going yeah. out from the lens. Yeah. Literally made as much as could be seen through the camera, and that yeah. was it. Because yeah. um, um, the camera the, didn't move. Camera didn't each move, shot. no. Yeah. And yeah. we just kept to that um, uh, that space. And then um, Richard had worked out underneath. That I've got a photograph of him mm. yeah. down one of these holes. And um, and he, he did all the um, mechanics, you know, that boosted these things up. Yeah. Yeah. And then they went up, and then if if the shot wasn't right, we had to. They came down again. We had to dress it all in. Okay, yeah. Start oh again. God! But <laughs> another day to dress it. Another, yeah, it took a long time. But I don't. On one of those things, he in, he seemed to think it had taken a lot of shots. I don't remember it taking a lot of shots. I yeah. think it. I don't think it was any more than two, to be honest. Okay, yeah. Maybe three. Because there was so much setup and. Yeah, because it worked. Uh, yeah. And and we covered all the top in fuller's earth yes. so that the very very fine stuff that comes down so it was scaled down yeah. you know all the yeah. rubble that comes from the top yeah um and uh, and terry want, did a, a an interview film interview at one point and he said he he said his his heart lurched every time he saw those things come up out of the ground yeah yeah it really moved him every time and every time he saw the fullest earth sort of coming down it was sort of very emotional when <laughs> they he must saw have come it. up quite quickly in real yeah, life because it was shot at high speed so yeah. it would have been quite a violent oh yeah it was see. a complete sort of um uh rig thing that shot it up yeah, yeah. you yeah. know heavy duty 
Yeah. Uh, it was exactly, you know, all those special effects guys know how to do that, yeah. I'm just how much prep do you get on a movie like this? Because I'm thinking whenever I have to make something now, I've got the help of eBay to order things. <laughs> you got to get the yellow pages out and call someone in the Isle of Wight no, for no, some. No, no, <laughs> We had buyers who we, yeah, we yeah. sent out. Okay. They'd go out in their cars and right. their vans and buy stuff for us wow, okay. on the day. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. So you had people running around getting yeah, things that you needed. Yeah. You had to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the whole art department did. So you you find the buyers at the end of the art department, right. and 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 they're uh, in the cars. The cars yeah. are ticking over, ready yeah. for. But I mean, they there's like George Gibbs and and Richard. They knew every. They knew all the industries. Every what everybody was making locally, yeah. and they knew who made what. And they had you know a fantastic sort of palette of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Information that it's real use. knowledge back then, though, isn't it? It's oh, not yeah. like you can just get yeah. on the on Google and oh, no. just uh, was, find yeah, the bit you need to and... research it. Yeah, and get it. You know, and and a lot of you know, there's a like lot of um, industries which fed the film industry that yeah. were sort of yeah. secondary industries. Yeah. You know, surrounding it all, yeah, so you yeah. could ring up Joe Bloggs from somewhere and he knew how to make a particular type of plastic or yeah. a particular type of foam or yeah. you know, and he'd come in for the day and do that and. Yeah. So they had, you know, they knew everybody yeah. um, round about. Where did you make this film? Lees at Lees. Uh, Wembley, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it, a lot of the um, the other shots were yeah. in, uh, I discovered yesterday, a lot of it I didn't know, um, were shot in, you know, some really remarkable buildings around London. Yeah. There was, uh, one was the CWS Bread Factory was where most of the... <laughs> Just a minute, where are we? A lot and of background was... research here. Like, I know. French names <laughs> of places. I know. Well, see I thought you might have right me out here. if I didn't know. Oh, no. <laughs> we believe you. You worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but uh, it's the CWS flour mill. Right. And that became Shangri-La Towers. Right. You know, and when they're... Oh. And, and also was used, where, you know, when they're going all the the sort of minions are going yes. along the um, machines. Mm. They were actual machines that made Oh, in bread. the ministry? In the ministry, oh, yeah. Right, okay. And they were converted into, um, uh, yeah, you know, like, technical yeah, things. Yeah. But they were actual machines that were already there. That's great. And oh, they just walked along this sort of flower... Ma- they were bread-making machines. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it, it it was incredible. And they hardly touched the place. No. They said when they moved in, it was riddled with mice. And yes. they managed to <laughs> clean it up yeah, a bit. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't changed much. We actually get the feeling that that's what I like about the ministries. It feels like... And also in, in their flats, it feels like they're, the people are inside machines. Like, mm. yeah. they yeah. are the mice. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it, yeah. They're the drones, aren't they? Yeah, mm. yeah. And all the cables and I love the music and... through that section. Oh, my God. <clears throat> oh, the dun 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 dun. dun. And it just builds up. Oh, my God, it's good, yeah. Well, that's kind of become the template for making, like, yeah. this bureaucracy yeah. feel about yeah. things, where they've all, what, they want the 27B stroke six. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just great. I love all the little screens with the magnifying glasses That's on right. them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they were all just picked up in junkyards. Yeah. And then Bob put them together, and then yeah. uh, you know, and, and Terry got you know he used to get overexcited when he came round and yeah. when he saw what was being made and everything, and he'd add bits and pieces or he didn't or whatever. That's great. But a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of that was Bob Hollow just yeah. being really creative. Little touches yeah. like the telephone's got like patch leads on it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, and there's there's something what something about there's something that a woman wears and she's got she's got some attachment on her hand, uh, on her mm. wrist is it? Uh, oh, is that the one that's typing oh, yes. up the torture? She's typing yes. up, yes, yeah. like that, some ghastly thing attached to <laughs> yeah, her yeah, wrist. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was really that was all kind of invented. It wasn't written into the script. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that was all. I mean, the general feel of it yeah, might yeah. have been but they, that was Bob Hollow mainly I think the feel of it is just amazing though isn't it how you've got like little yeah. gags and then it's clear that someone's just been tortured in a room or like yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just the best for me like that vibe yeah um, and Michael Perlin when he's doing um, is Jack uh, Lint isn't he yeah. and he he's I mean the way he makes his excuses you know about yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, yeah. he's just Throttled yeah, somebody yeah. and yeah. you know well it wasn't his fault because he was <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, giving yeah. the right man you know it was somebody else's fault down the line yeah, yeah, which yeah. is so typical you know everybody opts out.
sitting here and there's a massive snake on the wall. Yeah. Is that Indiana Jones? Well, it's not yeah. from Indiana yeah. Jones, but I use the same method yeah. to make that as okay. I use to make the yeah. snake, to make the. You know, in Indiana Jones, where they cut the snake and then all the eels come out of it. Yes. Oh. Snake surprise. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I made. I made. I think four or five of those snakes. Yeah. You know, for different. Well, there was only one used in the end. They all disappeared. Ah, snake surprise. Yeah. <laughs> they completely disappeared. And then I, I discovered Monkey years brains. afterwards, they were, they were for sale yeah. in Christie's. Right. Yeah. <laughs> them. Yeah. yeah. You should have done more stealing, Val, back in the day. I know, I should have kept, you know, but I had limited Yeah, going space. through the bins in the 80s must have been a really a lucrative career, wasn't it? <laughs> Just going but... Nobody put any value on it in the early days. No, you know, there were. No. I mean, thing when things were finished, you just they went in the skip, and that was yeah. it. And because often yeah. they were too big, and you know, I mean, I kept the. Um, no, I didn't keep the flying man. Terry kept the flying man. He's got the flying man. The larger model. The, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. that size one. Yeah. yeah, foot size one. And that that is kind of got motors and things inside it, yeah. has it? And yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it's all. It's, I mean, it was a terrific model. Um, yeah. Uh, it was all on wires, you know. Yes. Just on, it was just a rig, and it just flew right across this rig, and um, and then they t- shot it from different angles. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's weird because it's on the poster of Brazil, and it's mm. kind of I don't think people really understand what the film's about because it's got it's kind <laughs> of got a different look to what the film. Yeah, is, I yeah. I don't like. The, I'm uh, not keen on the poster actually. I don't think it. I don't think it. It looks like Metropolis. Doesn't yeah. say it right, does it? Really, no. it's too. To, um, we actually smart. have to look at the post, and it's like filing cabinets. And it's jumping right, out yeah. of a filing cabinet. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't the title does it deserves as well, really. Like Brazil, I don't know if you agree with that. But I, do you know? I I only discovered listening yesterday to that. Um, well, I've heard Terry say it before, but he 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 was uh, where was he? He was um, doing some research in Port Talbot, hmm. and. Um, it's a place where there's a lot of coal mining and uh, engineering and stuff. And the beach was absolutely black. And he, mm. he saw, he said he saw this guy sitting on the beach and just listening to music. And he yeah. was listening to Brazil. Right. And it was just such a surreal image. And he remembered it. Yeah. And, and it's a, I think it's a piece of genius because yeah. the music is so fantastic throughout the film. It's yeah. so. Is that piece used before that? For, I, I, do you know what's the hit, what's the story with the music? It was originally called Watercolor of Brazil, and it was by somebody called. It's an oldie, isn't Bureau- it? It's oh a... yeah, it's a, it was a, an old classic. Yeah, yeah. Gil from Ipanema type thing. The the one that he used, and the one that he'd heard, was by Jeff Mulder. Right. And and then Michael Kamen, who did the music, finally did yeah. lots of um, you yes. know, played around with it a lot. Um, but the words, and I didn't quite get all the words, but, you know, tomorrow is another day, mm. uh, something from a mile away, um, uh, and still a million things to to say. I mean, it's mm. just very amazing words. Mm. If you find the whole words from, from it, it's, yeah. it's very And when it's like echoing poignant. in reverb and yeah. it's all within them yeah. big miniature cities yeah, and stuff, no, it kind of really it, works. And... It really works. And I think that, that kind of odd juxtaposition of yeah. unlikely yeah. things throughout the whole film yeah. is again it's I mean it would have been done probably quite intuitively by Terry but yeah. it kind of oh my god it is genius really yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it and it all kind of comes together as a I just love how the, the confidence of them cutting you know, you know quite a few times uh, Jonathan Price will turn away from a scene in the the, in quotes, real world, and it'll go straight to a dream sequence. Yeah, and there's no sort of cut away. You know, just like just like straight into it, and that confidence yes. with it really yeah. sells it. I think you like, you know, you, you go with yeah. it, don't you? Because of what he's. But they're, yeah. they're more like, they're, like you say, the, the dream sequences are very kind of almost like a fantasy film, like something like Dark Crystal or whatever, aren't they? And then you've yeah. got this very grey, bureaucratic, horrible yeah. future. It's just that, yeah, they're kind of like. Maybe that's kind of probably why they shouldn't have put that image on the poster because it makes it, like you say, it makes it look like it's a completely different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. a completely different thing. Do you have much when you're going into things? Does some has someone like drawn what it's going to look like? Does Terry do <laughs> somewhat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've got a collection of his of, of sort of his drawings on the yeah. edges of paper napkins and <laughs> you know bits of yeah. paper and stuff yeah. that. that 
quite skimpy, really. Yeah. But mm. he, having said that, he knows he does know what he wants, and he kind of he certainly knows what he doesn't want. So yes. yeah, yeah. if right. you don't get it right, he, you know he'll he'll he knows exactly. I mean, I had to do a talk recently at the NFT introducing time bandits, and I was saying he says he was he was. Um, uh, he had a conversation with um, Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino mm. had gone to um, uh, some sort of uh, retreat thing where you learn about how to make film and you have a, yeah. a film mentor. Yeah, yeah. And Tarantino's mentor on that occasion was Terry Gilliam. Yeah. He was very excited about it. So when t- before Tarantino had done yeah, yeah, anything, yeah. he hadn't yeah. done Reservoir Dogs yet. Mm. And he showed, he showed the script to Terry and Terry liked it. Mm. And it, Tarantino said... Oh, yeah, but how do I get this stuff on the screen? I've got all these great ideas, but yeah. how do I get it on the screen? Yeah. And Terry said, you don't worry about that. He said, you just um, get your ideas, communicate your ideas really clearly, yeah. get some really good people around you, and yeah. they get it on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I took that in this talk, and I said, yeah, yeah. well, um, and I'd, I'd, act, I'd actually discussed this with uh, the production designer on um on Time Bandits, Millie yeah. Burns, and the makeup uh, person, Elaine Carew, mm. and the sound guy, um, Andre Jackman. We all agreed that it was more than that, that in order to know what Terry wanted, you had to be psychic. Yeah. You, you had to do the work <laughs> to find out what he wanted. Yes, yeah. Really, yeah. you really had to get into his head and yeah. you had to sort of be able to leave yourself aside yeah. and get into his head yeah. and really kind of become quite... Um, tuned in to what he was about mm. yeah and it was a lot of effort you know it it, it it was it wasn't just quite as simple as he laid it out to be the location question about brazil that i had um yeah. oh yeah you know the, the the very last bit the interrogation scene at the end in the giant room oh yeah is that all a set or is that what what is that do you no, know no, if that's that, like a well, cooling that was tower, right? inside of a cooling tower that is actually a real cooling tower actually yeah. inside of a cooling <laughs> oh, tower wow. yeah and and um, they uh, and there was no floor in it. Terry actually had to build a track, which said was really quite dangerous, you know, for the camera to go on and for them to walk up to that centre bit. That had to be yeah. built for the oh, film, wow. but because there was no actual floor in the thing. And then they they, as far as I know, they abseiled really down yeah. the top of the yeah, yeah, yeah. cooling tower. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. It is <laughs> incredible, you know. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap this up because yep. otherwise okay. we're going to have a super longer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for speaking to yeah, us. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thanks. Been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Let us know. Let us know when your your book's out. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll, we'll plug that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll plug that. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank brilliant. you. Brilliant. Okay. Cheers. Well, action is to help my life. I changed my mind. I've decided. I We're back. We're back in the studio. I'm not too late. Oh, with cat. There's a cat. The cat's followed us into the studio. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, what do you think of oh, that? Not the cat. I remember this now. It was your cat. Well, no, I think he just lost his mind. <laughs> no, it was your cat. This happened. Your cat <laughs> came in, about. and we went no. off on one about that. You spoke to your cat, and you could. You said you could understand your cat. Because you always say like, "Oh, you're right." No, like, no you're not remembering. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe I've maybe I've had a blackout as well. Maybe I forget this. Uh. Um, well, that, that's why Chris can't be here because he's been he's been um, sectioned because he's imaginary <laughs> cat. That he's he's, he's literally there. followed the plot of Brazil and ended up in has, uh, yeah. in a giant Ministry of Information getting. Uh, oh, that's my phone. Um, it's a te- oh, street fighter. Yeah, street fighter text message. Anyway, um, yeah. So that was the interview. It went really well, didn't it? I was really yeah, it was really, really enjoyed good it. No, it's brilliant. Um, she was fascinating, and um, yeah, yeah, she's got. So what's ha- what's happened in terms of the interview is that's about a half hour long clip there, and next week there's a whole. I think it's an hour twenty or so interview that will wow. go out um, the next week's episode. So, and there's a lot more in that about Monty Python and um, Indiana Jones, yep. Jabberwocky, Time Bandits, there's all sorts of stuff. All the so films she worked on. She worked on so many things, didn't she? Yeah, Ama- it's an amazing um, career, and also like I love that she was just basically just kind of fell into it, and then just kept kind of kept going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot of interesting stories. But uh, yeah, so listen for all that next week, which was an editing nightmare, but it sounds good now. It's done. So uh, <laughs> well done. That's good. Well done, Sam. Um, right. So for now, we're on to opinions about the film overall, and 
we need to discuss the music and the characters before we play the next clip from Chris. So yeah. what's your opinion on the... Well, I'll go, actually. Cause yeah, what, you go what, first. what I was saying was, yeah. uh, was that, for me, I find the music very jarring and I don't like it at all. Um, all the orchestral stuff and the weird... I like the the dun 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 dun, dun, dun office bit of music. Yeah. That works well. But I think the overall score plays against what the film's trying to do in a way that doesn't work for me mm. at all. Do you, I can't remember if you No, see, this is interesting because I hated the soundtrack of um, of uh, What's It Monkeys, 12 Monkeys. I hated it. It jarred me yes. all the way through and it kept pulling me out of the film and it kept yeah. feeling really like lightweight for quite like a big film and I didn't get what the... Like, I didn't get why he'd done that. And actually, I didn't find... I didn't mind the soundtrack to this. I felt like when it went more... Fa- I, 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 I felt what it went more like ridiculous was because it was in the flights of fancy that it went more yeah. along with um, Jonathan Price's like weird kind of romanticizing of this horrible world. So I didn't actually it didn't jar me that much, like uh, uh, considering how much Terry Gilliam's other films have annoyed me. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know why it upsets me so much. I don't know if it's like the, the particular pieces of music he chooses mm. or something, but I just find it really, really annoying. Hey, why don't you do something about it if you're so upset by this music, Sam? Yeah. Oh, of course. I forgot to mention that, didn't I? Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's the other thing I mentioned last time is that I attempted to rescore this film when I was young and pretentious, and that's the kind of thing I used to do in my spare time. Yeah. And. Uh, didn't get very far with it but i thought i just thought if you had a really brutal like electronic soundtrack like a lot of like noise mm. and horrible synths you can make this into a lot darker film where the, where the zany comedy came across more like as desperately sad rather than mm. funny that's interesting you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah um specifically the bit when when he gets when he meets the girl and they're in the truck and he's trying to get him get to get him in the truck and run away and all that mm. stuff i think in the film that bit is Kind of where it all falls apart yeah, for me. It's, it's, it's too kooky and odd. Yeah, it's too over the top, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I think if you played like intense white noise over that, something like that, you just feel like, oh my God, this guy's having a breakdown. Yeah. It'd be a lot more yeah. of an intense film. That's interesting. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we hear what Chris has got to say about this? Yeah, Let's go on Chris. then. Go on then. Did we need to talk about the characters, sorry, as well? I can't remember. Let's see what he says. Okay, we'll, we'll see what he says. We'll talk practice. over yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm probably on the same sort of track as you guys. I have, the thing with the music is, I think they, I think it was under pressure to make it more, not as dark as it could be, this film, right? Because you would actually get, you'd, you'd use quite a lot uh, darker tones and some quite menacing stuff, I think, for some of these scenes, which they didn't do. Um, and... Uh, I'm with you on the characters. I mean, you just, but I'm, I'm, I think if you approach it as a comedy, I, I think it's okay because the, I think the, the, the sort of gags that are in this are literally right up my street. You know, when stuff's blowing up and then there's that woman there with a typewriter and she's just writing like kaboom, bang, you know, like. I think um, that's yet more. Yet more proof that Chris has been digitised yeah. because he's got gags living literally up his street <laughs> as though he's in some sort of like data world. Yeah, it's true. Uh, th- but yes, we missed, missed off characters. Yeah. We touched on it slightly. Um, I think it's, I think we were both... Yeah, it's where... Well, to me, this is where this film falls down because I really... I don't think the characters are very well painted out. I, I, no. I didn't connect with them. I didn't really care about them. I think they're too... They're too surface and, and you don't yeah. really get to know them. I mean, Michael Palin is... They're like sketches of yeah. 94 characters, aren't they? Yeah, and I think Michael Palin's actually the most interesting character because he seems yeah. to have some kind of, like, a trajectory. Like, you know, like yes. when you first meet him, you don't really know what's going on with him and you see he has his daughter's daughter, then he turns out to be the torturer. Like, there's something more going on with him, but with, with Sam Lowry, it's just... I don't know, like, it's just not very well done. I think it's done... I think the character... I mean, I think Bruce Willis's character is quite similar in 12 Monkeys, mm. but I think it's actually a lot better done in that film and you feel a lot yeah. more sorry for him. You know, I think you, I don't know if I felt sorry for Sam Lowry. I mean, obviously at the end, but mm. it was kind of a bit I, of an arsehole, wasn't he, really? Yeah, the the end's definitely powerful, but I think I agree. There's not much to him throughout. And also, oh. apart from Palin, um, we talked, I think, in the interview about how... Uh, 
Chris didn't like Python because of the sketch comedy and stuff, mm. but really all the other characters in this to me feel like sketches yeah. as though like yeah. they've got a little skit like here's the plumber for a skit here's the yeah. guy who's got a desk next door for a skit yeah. here's the crazy boss yeah. and they don't develop they just come in go out again yeah, um, yeah. No, it's, it, it's as though like you know, Larry's walking through an episode of the fast show or something like mm. that you know no no and, and I think that's the ultimately it, it derails the film because you've got these amazing visuals and they yeah. are brilliant and you are so sucked the world he's created is perfect it's just the people living in it don't feel real but but that's Definitely. not the point it's not that he's made this clever point it's just yeah. they don't feel real and therefore you don't yeah. really connect you don't get pulled in uh and i Definitely. think chris says he agrees with us so that's okay yes <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt that's exactly what we said before and we were correct yeah um nice segue there anyway into the look because here's chris talking about how it looks a bit like 80s tv yeah. it's very tv actually in a lot of ways because i think there are some scenes which aren't very cinematic i think like the miniatures and all the stuff which is in post looks cinematic i think the way this is lit is more like you know it's it's like a lot of other terry gilliam stuff i think if this was made by someone who I, i just think it's too flatly lit so you do actually see the extent of the sets I think if this had like a little bit of, um, you know, drive or like some, you know, like a Blade Runner about it, I think it would be, it'd be like perfect. So the point I want to pick up on there is, do you think if you had a Blade Runner look, it'd be a better film? Because I don't at all. No, I but I think he's, I think, what, I mean, Chris obviously got a lot more knowledge and skills when it comes to this yeah. area. And I, I think what he's just trying to say is that it is... Yeah, it does have this. Things look like a set, don't they? I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely, uh, uh, yeah. I mean that set, the one with this big statue, it's quite near the beginning when he goes to the ministry. Yes. That really, really looks like a set. I mean, like you can almost see yeah. the walls and the ceiling. Um, and I think maybe he's it's, saying, it's kind of jarring as well because the location shots they do have are so big, aren't they? Yeah. It, that it stands out so much. Yeah, and that's maybe where they went a bit wrong. And I guess he's just trying to say that if they'd had better lighting or a better lighting person, mate, or someone, yeah. maybe creatively they could have changed it but then i don't know if gilliam i mean from what val says he worked with a lot of the same people and if he worked with someone who was going for that look yeah or, yeah or was going for that look or work with someone who was more used to tv maybe that yeah, is that's true you know, maybe that is although she does mention about the sand doesn't she now they had this amazing technical of sand mm. and that came out looking very flat on the screen yeah. so maybe it was something about the, te- the technique that was yeah. not working for them no i don't know no we'll never um, know we'll never know here's a bit more about tv and britishness from chris I I just like the feeling I get from the film. I just I can't, it's hard to explain. It's just that sort of British homemade like we talked with Val of the era. This is there ain't no one who can make a film like this ever again. You know, this is this is it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of fair enough there. It's yeah. kind of right, isn't it? That, that I don't think you could make it again because no. it is so tied to the technology of the era like we were just saying mm. then really and yeah. stuff like that. I think he's right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that look I don't know if you tried to get that look again, I think it would look uh it would look ridiculous or it would look like you were parodying it. You know, I've seen things yeah. that are kind of homage to the 80s and they don't it just looks a bit silly or it looks <clears throat> too deliberate, you know. So yeah. I think he's yeah, he's the, very the, right. So this is Chris's other longest clip, and I kept this in because this will explain Chris's placing in the ranking later on, and because he is, without a doubt, of the three of us, the most into this. Yes. So let's hear what Chris's. This is called Chris's manifesto. <laughs> let's have a listen. I mean, it looks like a lot of like that grungy sort of stuff which was just on telly in the nineties. Like there was literally TV shows which were about pop music, which used to have sets that looked like this. Like the top of the pop set used to look like this with like with grills and neon and, you know, cables and cable ties. And yeah, it and that sort of, you know, that uh, printed aluminium plate you can get with like the, the they've got like slats along like all all TV sets used to look like the Tomorrow's World TV set and every like Red Red Dwarf, as you said, like. It is, you know, it's got something for me and someone of my, from where I'm from in the world and, and my age. That's what it is. And actually, I watched this film super late. I think I only watched it like a few years ago. I, I could completely pass me by. Um, but then I realised that actually this sort of film is the films I want to make. This is that grungy feel with a sophisticated sense of humour. That's it. 
Yeah, you're right. That is his manifesto, isn't it? So it's the, it's the, ma- the, the amount of impact it had on him and the fact that yeah. it, it kind of nostalgically uh, yes. kind of recreates, yeah, things like Red Dwarf and that the, the TV of that period. Um, yeah, it's kind of legitimising the style of our youth. Mm. That's what I think has gone there yeah. because it's hard to go back to Red Dwarf. It's not as funny as it was when we were kids. No, no. And a lot of the other TV of that era, like you mentioned, Tomorrow's World and stuff like that, it's all just lost. You yeah. never see it. It never gets repeated, does it? No. Um, and what Brazil does, I think, um, for me as well, but also I think more intensive with Chris, is it sort of just wraps up the feeling of watching TV in the 80s and that look of what the future might be mm. into a package that is, you know, still good and approachable. Yeah, in a way, yeah so. definitely. Yeah. Um, Did you, have, you, okay. have you seen the ending, the the Hollywood ending? I haven't, no. Oh, it, oh yeah, so you're going to mention it, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, so well, it's interesting. So basically, so you get them driving off in the car, Mm. into the countryside. And then you see this kind of idyllic farm in the middle of the countryside. Mm. And then he's in bed, like Sam Lowry's in bed, and she kind of wanders in in this kind of like, I don't know, I think she's wearing like a dungarees or something, but she's wearing like much more normal clothes. She's got some flowers she's picked from the farm. And she just kind of looks at Lowry, who's still asleep, and I think she maybe goes up to him and like strokes him or something like that. And then you go into his head and he's dreaming about being the kind of Icarus character holding her flying through the skies. And then it goes right. into the titles of, with the sky um, with like really, really like upbeat kind of amazing, like heroic music. Yeah. Um that's so weird. it's kind of weird. Like the, the, um, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it sounds a lot like the Blade Runner ending. You know, yes, and into that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just doesn't. I mean, it, it's not for. It's not good. Um, well, also because like the, I think the end, the actual ending of the film does a lot to sort of repair my opinion yes. of it because I think yes. the last ten minutes is so strong. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's actually where the the zaniness works to its advantage because it does. It's so quickly. People haven't seen it. Basically, the. Um, uh, San Larry gets arrested, gets put in with some torture, but then he's, he breaks out. There's a big elaborate fight scene and stuff like that, and the bomb goes off, and all this stuff happens. And it escalates in a way that is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like the film has been, but then you find out that actually, really, he's just lost his mind, and he's sat in the chair humming the song and, yeah. and left her. Yeah. And I, I think that's such a... Yeah. It's a perfect ending, isn't no, it, really? No, it's a brilliant... So and the, like, I agree, yeah. it saves the film. I think that... Without that ending, it really wouldn't, it wouldn't, we wouldn't, I mean, we'd be saying, oh, it looks nice, but I don't think we'd be saying anything else about it. I mean, I think, I think, I think, um, I don't know if Val says this, but, but I think Terry Gilliam wanted to make a film where the, where it was a happy ending that someone lost their mind. You know, the, the, the idea that going insane was actually a positive and that that is what happens to him. That his, his, the only way he can break free, the only way he can stop being, hurt is by completely yeah. going into the world the fantasy world and yeah, yeah i think the ending is what yeah elevates the whole film and it kind of yeah rep- like you say it repairs kind of some of the stuff that you kind of think oh that's a bit oh i don't know it kind of undoes that a little bit so yeah it's yeah. a brilliant ending and it, it does it bumps the film up in the ranking definitely uh that ending does definitely and have you have you read this five separate cuts of this film now oh god really um, the the blue the Criterion Blu-ray that came out recently has got the it's called the fifth and final cut. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, and this I think it's like a four, 142 minute version, 94 minute version, 132 minute version, oh. five different versions of this film. Wow. Um, and the only thing about that that I'm not mentioned that I think is really interesting is that um, obviously there's a big battle to get this film released. Yeah. They couldn't agree on the ending, all this sort of stuff. And Gilliam got a print and started taking it around um, film schools and to critics in America. Mm. And uh, it was named Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award for Best Picture. It won that yeah. in 1984, despite not being released, which that would never happen no. now, would it? Like, how insane is that? No, no. It, it would just, he'd have just lost. You know, Terry yeah. Gilliam would have been replaced at the last minute. They'd have brought in another director to finish the film, you know, yeah. like Ron Howard. And then they would have had a really nice ending, maybe done a few reshoots and it would have come out and then you'd never know. Maybe five years later, or there'd be a campaign like the Zack Snyder cut, do you know what yeah. I mean? And, and maybe oh, we God, would get yeah. that version and maybe we wouldn't. But no, it, yes. it would just all be... The studios are too big now. They don't muck around with this kind of thing. You know, no. the amount of money. But it, it flopped still, didn't it? It didn't do well. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Like, it, it flopped in America. I think it's hard to get... Figures isn't it from that era, but I'm, I think it about it just about broke even worldwide, basically. Yeah. 
um, which obviously was not the... So you think, like, were they right, or did they not promote it enough, mm. you know, as a sort of a, a fuck you to him kind yeah. of thing? I don't know what the... I mean, ultimately, it's been re-evalued, and, it, 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 you know, for people like Chris, you know, like he says, it's it's it's, it's immensely important, and it really does ca- yeah. encapsulate that period, so... It does make me wonder, though, like, if it didn't happen, because this is sort of the, the breakdown of Gilliam's sort of uh, relationship with the studios, isn't mm. it? yeah. And I wonder, like, where he would have gone if this had been a success, you know, and had been accepted stuff like that. What would have happened? Because Ooh. you know, I do like some Gillian, but I think he's got an extremely patchy yeah. <laughs> record of. Do you films. think he would have um, become like Tim Burton? Do you think he would have become well, yeah. like you know that kind of? Oh, he's a bit kooky. Give him the remake of uh, you know Pinocchio, or are we totally, you know yeah, be like yeah. that? You know, give him some, yeah. give him some odd little thing. We'll we'll get him to do it. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's. Uh, what what might be, hey? Yeah. Um, right, so let's get to the ranking. Uh, let's play this little short clip here. That's me. I'm done. So, shall we do some ranking or...? Let's do some ranking. <laughs> let's, do so let's, some ranking. Chris, let's do some ranking. Top ranking. Uh, let's hear what Chris thinks about the ranking. See, for me, I think it's it's got a lot in common with things like Fifth Element, like in its feel. I don't know. I just, I just, I just love it. I love the feel of it. I love how, I love how it sort of sags. I love how it's... You know, in its form, it's not quite there. It's like I'm actually accepting of its down faults. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think if if without you guys, if I was just asked, I would probably say it's one of my top twenties. Uh, just because I on this list I'm looking at, I'd probably put it like around about the fly actually from this this list that we've got here. I just really love the, um, I think it's like, because I can see the process as well. And I can see, basically, just aesthetically, I think it's right up my street. But that's, we all kind of need things that we aim for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it, it's like he's gone mad, dead, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, like he's, it's like he went mad and died. Yeah. Yeah, and we're like listening back to his final yeah. recordings, oh, like he's in like some cabin somewhere, just yeah. mumbling about Brazil. It's like when they when they like Fast and the Furious, when they just put their bits of Paul Walker. Yeah. In a, <laughs> Paul Walker. <laughs> it's Paul Walker again. R.I.P. Oh dear. Right hard. Um, let's just reassure the listeners: he's not dead. He's not dead. Um, he's probably in L.A. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, I yeah. think he's on holiday. Yeah. So point of that was so that 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 isn't really fair to Chris because I'm pretty sure we were shouting about things yeah. while he was talking. <laughs> but the point yes. was that me and you. Didn't think it well. You you wanted it low, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, Chris. I think sixteen was what Chris settled on there in the list. Yeah, very and, high. Um, the it, it actually got got in at forty eight. Yeah, um, which was more around your sort of area. I think is that right? I, I think, I think you of... went very low. Uh, Chris yeah. went very high. I was happy for it to go kind of middling low. I mean, it's not a film I'm probably ever going to watch again. But I think I think yeah. what we ended up saying was that because it was so important to Chris it got that it got up. bumped up and I think we've done that before yeah. with other things where if it's yeah. important to someone and they really do you know like they've always got such a passion for it it kind of goes a little bit higher than maybe the other two thought so he's kind yeah. of his his you know his his love of it pushed it up it skewed yeah. it yeah but we can't yeah. really I, I would think I think 80s was probably where I was thinking yeah it was low yeah you were saying very low it's weird really because Obviously, the like my reaction to this film was that I hated the music and tried to recreate the music. And Chris's reaction is that he loves to look and try to recreate the look. Yeah. It's odd, isn't it, how we've both had that strong reaction yeah. to it in this opposite direction? Yeah, well, it's good. Uh, you know. Who, yeah, I mean, maybe you should just go out there and rescore the whole thing and contact Terry Gilliam. Yeah, I, I tried to find the. Um, I mean, I've got. Did I send you? I sent you a bit, didn't yeah, I? I've got about like 12 bits, minutes yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and it's not finished at all, but uh, yeah, who knows? One day, maybe. maybe. Um. <laughs> Right, let's listen to Chris's end remarks here. Cool. Well, we're in. A uh, bit of a change of format to this week, but I think it was successful. <laughs> we'll try. We'll, we'll try and do that again if if the opportunity comes up. And um, yeah, uh, had a yeah, good times. Good times. Um, it's funny that have yeah. you heard that that clip. I know it's the change of format. <laughs> no, and then, and then at the end he's like, "Good times, good times." You know, like we're saying he was dead. It's a bit like he's like, "Yeah, yeah, good times, everyone, good times." Oh no, not coming back. Poor Chris. This is it. <laughs> uh, good times, yeah. Chris. Good times.
Well, good times indeed. Uh, so next week, as I say, we will be uh, a, a different interview, different uh, format again. It will be the full interview with mm-hmm. Valerie Charlton. Yeah, and um, then back to like real, real things where we all talk at the same time, and you know, hopefully, we'll all be in the same room and the same location. Not the same room, but you know what I mean. It's it's a bit like Tammy and the T Rex. We've taken Chris's <laughs> brain out, <laughs> and he's in the computer right now. But hopefully, we're going to find the body and we'll put it back in yeah. again. You know, and then it'll be all all right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, the next film after that is Redline. Um, oh, which, yeah. Have you watched it yet? I have watched it, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I cannot imagine what Chris is going to think about I, this yeah, film. Yeah, no, I was a li- I'm a little bit worried. I'm worried that he's yeah. just going to go mental, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was like, at the start, I was like, well, this isn't too, too bad for him. And then he just goes places, doesn't it? Yeah. And I was like, he's not going to He's not gonna enjoy this. But Right, okay, well, that's it for this week, I think. Um that was all right. I think it ended up quite well. Yeah, in the end, really. We did it. So join us next week. Um, this week, I'll, I'll play us out to. Uh, this is called STRTFRM something or other. This is one of my things from my soundtrack. Oh, this was this was meant to be when the samurai was having the fight. Oh, That's what this music was. Okay. So I'll play that out um, here. Have we got to do his goodbyes? And, uh, oh yes, yeah, so I'll play. I'll play his goodbye over the music <laughs> as though it's like what you know, like a there's like an American flag uh, in, waving in slow motion. <laughs> Some eagles flying over some water. A picture of him with like some dates on the Yeah, his, his medals on and the dates. So <laughs> let's, Alex, let's say our goodbyes to Chris. Bye, and Chris. We'll, we'll see you all next week. See Goodbye. You. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Cool. All right, then. Uh, uh, another plug my short film, Still on Dust, on the YouTube channel. So go on YouTube, type in Dust, and the film's called The Unreason. Go check it out. Cool. All right, then. Uh, uh, I'll say cheerio, and Sam, you can say cheerio. goodbye. Oh, and Alex, bye. Okay, bye. goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Poor old Chris. And off he goes into the sunset. Yeah, lives on forever. Uh, in lives the, on in, our, in, in the computer, in the podcast. In the computer. Right. Thanks for that, Alex. And we will see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. 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 bye.